Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Down the blind, Andrew Jones. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won the grand final. He's got the ball. Jared Hayes. Hayes. Oh, superstar. Superhuman. Collie Modulite. The speed of a bullet. He hits it. He's got it. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Today we've got another edition of our Fan is Short for Fanatic podcast. Today I'm joined by Angelo. He is a diehard St. George Illawarra Dragons fan. One of the biggest fans I know of sport in general. Whether it be the Patriots in the NFL, he loves his basketball, loves his soccer, but it really is rugby league that is Angelo's true passion and he is one of the biggest rugby league fans I know. He's the sort of bloke that'll get out to Wynn Stadium at 10am in the morning and he'll watch every single grade on the way through on a Sunday afternoon all the way to first grade and then he'll spend his Saturday down there as well watching Harold Matz and SG Ball. He is just an absolute footy nut and an absolute champion bloke. He'll talk more about it in the podcast obviously. It's his passion and You know, during, for example, just the 2018 season, the St. George Illawarra Dragons played 26 games that year. Angelo was at 22 of them. If you said to me, I watched 22 out of 26 games in a season, I'd go, fuck, that's a pretty good knock. Angelo was sitting in the stands for 22 out of 26 of those games, including a trip to New Zealand. Just an unbelievable amount of dedication to his footy side. And it's the sort of fans like Angelo that keep the game alive It's a fantastic story. I can't wait to share it with you. Let's kick it off. Angelo, welcome on, mate. How are we? Really good, mate. Thanks for thanks for having me on the show. Much appreciated. Mate, I didn't think it'd take long for a fucking dragon's diehard to get on here. It took you one week. One week, yeah. It's a quick quick turnaround. There's too many of you around in my opinion. You know what? They 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 come and go as they please you know when they're doing well they come out but um not many not many of them kind of stick around for the for the low parts of the of the dragons there's plenty of low parts around but mate we'll get into the dragons in a minute um you yourself of course you're part of the uh podcast game too what's your uh what's your story there absolutely you know it's um i think it was a long time coming um so me and my boy um dimitri adamu been talking about it thought we'd just finally get it up and running so we've kicked off um rugby league from the nosebleeds so we're, you know, seven episodes in now, um, doing really, really well. You can find us on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, on Instagram, where um, at rl.from.the.nosebleeds. And, you know, just a couple of rugby league tragics, um, talk all things footy on and off the field, um, you know, a bit of a review of the previous rounds, preview the next round, um, a few other segments here and there. Um, you know, we kind of have a, have a bunker section where we um, – kind of rattle off a few topics and give it a no try or try whether we agree or disagree and uh we also bring in a top five each week as well so we um change the category up each week we've gone things from um top five rivalries to um top five worst buys um just kind of find something relevant to the round as well but um a little bit of a little bit of a unique take on um on footy i guess fuck i love myself a top five list oh it's fantastic and you know what's funny a few times now that we've um you know dropped the top five and you'd be surprised in the you know the, the next couple of weeks on you know nrl.com or the telegraph or 
on Twitter or something like that, and you'll find a very, very similar top five list as well. So there's um, definitely a few listeners out there, you could say. Mate, I've noticed the uh, the cover photo on your uh, on your podcast is you guys sitting in Mascot Oval. Jeez, I've talked some shit from those exact seats just quietly. <laughs> I tell me about it. You know, I've had a whole heap of highs and lows from there as well, whether it be on the field there or from the grandstands. But, you know, we'll toss them up. Where can we get a good photo of the nosebleeds? And is there is there a better place than, than the nosebleeds of Mascot Oval? Jeez, when you're wearing blue, it's great. If you're wearing any other colour, it's a nightmare. Let me tell <laughs> yeah. you, far No, right that's, that's exactly right. Mate, you're obviously a Dragons fanatic. Tell me, how did you become a Dragons fan? Uh, Dragons fan, you know, it's a bit unfortunate. I didn't really get a choice in it, but um, mum and dad both being Dragons fans. So, you know, from the from the get-go, all my earliest memories, you know, just in a Dragons jersey. And, you know, since about the age of four or five or something like that, it's, it's all I can remember in rugby league. What is your earliest memory as a Dragons fan? Earliest memory, it's tough to pinpoint exactly, but I know it's somewhere around... Um, somewhere around 98 99 one of my real early ones i remember um being i remember it was a warm day um out at cogra oval on the hill and i remember being on um dad's shoulders i know it was against the Parramatta eels i do remember that and um you know he had me um calling out all sorts of things to the para fans and you know as a four-year-old you understand you don't understand what they mean until now when you think back to what what your dad had saying but um definitely one of the earliest ones there um I'm going to assume that would have been probably about 98. I would say potentially 99. But then when I really kicked into gear and I really started remembering things would have been um, that back end of that 99 season for sure. Mate, that hill looks like an absolute zoo. Honestly, back then it was, it was, it was chaos. It was absolutely nuts. You know, it's dropped off a bit these days. But when you, when the drags are doing well and you've got a, you've got a big crowd out there, it's, it's nuts. Absolutely nuts. Mate, obviously you said your earliest memories of those 98, 99 season. That's, you know, just after St. George and the Dragons merged together. And within two years, they're playing in the 1999 grand final. What are your memories of that day? I've got a, you know, a bit of a bit of mixed memories about, about that day. You know, um, in all honesty, I don't remember too much from the game. I remember being there and I remember being in one of those um, temporary stands that they had installed at ANZ Stadium, kind of behind the post, but that upper tier. So I definitely remember being there as well. Um, in terms of the game, not too much. I remember just the noise was just immense. Uh, but the thing that stuck with me from that day, I just remember obviously being pretty upset after the results. And you know, on your way home, I've had my face painted for the game, decked out red and white, red V across you know front, across my face, and um, all I remember it just dripping everywhere on the way home from the tears just running down my face. It was an absolute mess, and got home and got compared to looking like Alice Cooper when I got home. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a stinger. Mate, obviously, uh, I, I had Craig Fitzgibbon on my pod a few weeks ago, and he scored the first yeah. try in that grand final, and he brought up yes. the week before Anthony Mundine against the Sharks that day, him and Nathan Blacklock. It was like a fucking circus. Honestly, that that that, that game I just remember so much more vividly for, for obvious reasons. And, you know, like, like, like talking back to my earliest memories there, you know, Blacklock and Mundine are just, you know, the first two plays I just remember you know, seeing and just loving from the get-go, you know, just because of the, the excitement that they brought on the field. But, um, yeah, that, that, that prelim final the week before against the Sharks, Mundine just rampaging through the Sharks and, you know, him scoring that try in the corner at the end, um, front flipping after he scored. Nathan Blacklock comes in the corner, front flips to score as well. And um, I remember, you know, out at ANZ Stadium, and my dad jumping up and down on the seats actually put his foot straight through the seat at ANZ Stadium and split it straight in half. Straight in half, like the crack straight through the middle, foot straight through it. It was unreal. Vividly remember that game a lot more than the than the week after. Mate, the week after, obviously, a pretty low point there. You know, it takes the Dragons yeah. another, what, 11 years to return to the grand final in 2010. But in the time, you know, leading up to that, those 2000s, you know, highs and lows for the Dragons, they probably had a team in the 04, 05, 06 that could have won a grand final. You just fell short in 05. What are your memories? I think it's... I, I still think to this day that it's just crazy that that team didn't win a grand final. There's just talent all across the park there. And, you know, they just had so many opportunities to, to get there, you know, particularly in 05, you know, starting the season, I think, I think we're one and four or something like that. And then still ended up equal minor premiers only on four and against at the end of that season as well. And I remember being at that 05 um, prelim final against the Tigers and we were sitting right in that corner where, we were, they were just rampaging us. You know, Benji Marshall just tore us to shreds. And, you know, just the, I think just, the, it's just crazy that 
that team just did not have more success during that time. That 2005 season, mate, you know, it's obviously remembered for that grand final and how good the Tigers were, but fuck, if Parramatta and the Dragons weren't the best team in the comp that year, I will give it away. By far, by far, you know, like everyone just going into that grand final week was just like, it's just the wrong grand final that we have here. You know, you know, you didn't even get one of the two teams that should have been there. You, that should have been there. You actually got none of the two teams that should have been there. It's just, it's just crazy. It, it, re- it really is. Thinking back to it now, mate. I um, I asked uh, you to give me a photo of yourself in your dragons kit or whatever to um, to advertise this podcast for, and you sent me a picture of you and the great man Mark Gaznier. I imagine you're a big fan. Big, big Gaz fan. You know, in my top three dragons players of all time, if if not my top for sure, is um. You know, so many memories of, you know, seeing him, the shimmy shimmy whoosh, breaking through, scoring a, scoring those long-range tries that he did, just absolutely unreal. Mate, was there anything better than the mid-2000s? Whenever he'd play the Tigers, he would just go to a new level. I think he scored 12 tries or something in eight games. He he just yeah. he just feasted whenever uh, Balmain came to town. Yeah, something insane. I think on one of them back at Cogra, back in around that time as well, maybe 04, something like that. And um, I know he scored four against them um, in a game as well, but... You know, so, you know, you see those players, they just have that one team that they just absolutely lift against every single time, and that was Mark Gasnia with the Tigers. Tell me, mate, you know, after that 2005, you get to about 2008, 2009, tell me exactly what year it was, but Wayne Bennett arrives. You know, do you remember where you were when you found out that the great Wayne Bennett was coming to St. George? Honestly, I just, I remember, I remember getting home from school or so, something like that. I remember getting home from somewhere, and, you know, the rumours have been circling and circling and circling, and all you just want is the is the definitive answer. You want to know the result. You want to know what's happened there. And I just remember, you know, just cracking open the news or just seeing it somewhere, social media, whatever it was, and just seeing it's done. And you're just like, the, the feeling, I, I think it just took a while just to sink in for a little bit first. I don't think it was until, you know, you saw him at the end of that season um, going into the preseason of 09 and actually seeing him in the, in the Dragons gear, in the red and white where you're like this surreal feeling like this majestic human being is, you know, finally, well, not finally, but is coaching your club, you know, is a, is a definitely a feeling to remember. Tell me, mate, as a Dragons fan, like from the outside looking in, I think Nathan Brown, he did a lot for your club. You know, you, you needed a guy like Wayne Bennett to come in and finish the job, but what are your thoughts on Brownie and the job he did leading into that period? I think he, I think he set a good stepping stone for, for what needed to come. And, you know, I, I like Nathan Brown, and I think that the the big problem there was, you know, he was just kind of part of that boys' club at the Dragons. You know, ended up, um, you know, coaching players that um, that he played with and whatnot. And you know, I think him coming back at a later time, well after that, is a totally different scenario to how we kind of went at that time. But um, definitely, you know, cemented the the building blocks for for what was to come. You know, gathered you know the fundamental squad um, at that time as well, of course. Wayne Bennett brought a few players over with him as well, most notably Darius Boyd. But I think it was definitely definitely the building blocks to, to what was to come, for sure. What about the day on the sideline when he gave it to Trent Barrett and some of the other boys with the old <laughs> open hand? I didn't fucking miss. No, it was <laughs> I was definitely definitely in shock after after seeing something like that. You know, it's definitely not something you see every day, but you know, all all to their own. It um maybe they needed it that game, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely, definitely something interesting to see, mate. I'll never forget Trent Barrett's face; just completely fucking stumped, wasn't he? It, honestly, you just you just see his face. He just you know, it goes one way, goes back the other, and he's just like, "What just happened?" You just think, <laughs> what, "What's going through his head here?" Just have he probably just has no idea what was going on there, mate. The other player from that era that you told me you're a big fan of, which bowled me over. I haven't heard too many Dragons fans say uh, too many nice things about him. Jason Riles. Oh, I, this one always always comes up, and you know it always comes back to bite me with um with other Dragons fans. But you know, to me, you know, being being a young kid and um coming through playing footy, and you know, I was generally playing in a forward pack then, and he was just always someone. It's like I want to play like this guy, you know. And I just think he's a little bit misunderstood. You know, yes, he gave away a ton of penalties, and you know, he did some stupid things and whatnot. But he was he was a hard player, and Everything he did was with passion, though. Like, I just think everything he did, 100 miles an hour, wanted to win, wanted to get there. And you know, it does does cop the criticism, do, does cop the backlash. But, 
yeah, always always will be probably in, in my in my top five Dragons players for sure. Mate, at the end of the day, I mean, if there's any better character reference, if Craig Bellamy's brought him into the inner circle down there, he, he must know what he's doing. That's exactly right. You know, for him to be sitting there right next to Bellamy in that box every week and having to deal with, you know, what Bellamy's going through. And like you said, the way Bellamy's obviously thinking of him must be held in high regard. And, you know, who knows, in 10 years' time, he could be one of those coaches that we're saying, He's the guy that you want coaching your team. The next, you know, next Bennett, the next Trent Robinson, the next Craig Bellamy. Who knows, mate? Wayne Bennett arrives in two thousand and nine. You've got a team that can pot- potentially win a premiership, but I think you know people forget that you know you 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 were no certainties at the start of that two thousand and nine season to win a comp. Nor were you in twenty ten. But that two thousand and nine season, they were just on another level, weren't they? Oh, they were absolutely. You know, like going into the beginning of that season, there's obviously the expectation of course, with Wayne Bennett coaching your side and obviously with the team that we had as well. And at the same time, you know, it said a grand final is coming, you know, whether it's this year, next year or the year after within the, you know, the three years that um, Bennett had signed for. Um, I think it definitely could have been that, that 09 season without a doubt. Um, but yeah, you just, I think the, I think the expectation was there is one coming. It's just a matter of when it's going to come. Mate, during that season, it was death taxes and St. George taking the penalty penalty goal to start the game. They won me so much money taking that first points to be a penalty goal. It was fantastic. You know, anyone can call, call us boring or whatever they like, you know, during during that time. But, you know, I kind of remember it from, from the other side, you know, take the two, take the two, take the two. And next thing you know, you've got an eight or 10 point lead and you've only scored a try. You know, it, it, it worked. It got us the job done, you know, obviously the next season. But you know, it got us where we needed to. Like you said, 09, absolutely unreal season. They looked unstoppable. I remember just sitting back and the confidence that you had, like a team would be attacking your line. You know, they'd roll, they'd roll the ball into the in goal, force a drop out. And you would honestly just sit there and just kick back and just know your team's going to defend this set. And it's just no dramas. And another repeat set, a penalty, another repeat set. And next thing you know, the attacking side, your opponent's got, you know, had four or five sets in a row at your line. And you just have no doubt in the world that, the Dragons are going to hold them out here. Mate, that side, you know, you, you are filled with stars, your Hornby, your Sowards, your Darius Boyds, your Brett Morris's, you know, absolute superstars. The guy I want to ask you about, though, and this is, you know, this is part of my strategy that I think every team needs to win a comp. They need one dog in their team that just says, fuck you. And that was Bo Scott in your side. Tell me about Bo Scott. Bo Scott at that time would have to have been the last person that you would ever want to be running at. He was, you know, just... No matter who was in front of him, no matter how big or small the bloke was, he was just no holds barred and just got stuck into everyone. I remember it would have been around that time as well. He uh, was playing State of Origin, and I remember him. Um, I remember watching the you know the pregame show on TV, and it was a uh, just a bit of a defensive drill, you know, just one on one player walking up, just kind of you know wrapping their arms around, bit of a wrestle. And I remember poor Mitchell Pierce taking a hit up, and he was in one of the indoor um, warm up facilities as well. And Bo Scott's just whacked him, picked him up and just driven him into the ground or into the floor of this indoor facility. And I'm just thinking like, this just totally summarizes who this man is, you know, like he just brings all the grit and all the mongrel that you need in your forward pack. And he was just such a crucial part to, to that period of the Dragons for sure. Mate, he was just a guy, he saw red and fuck it was get out of his way or it was over. Yeah, just an absolute animal. He was an absolute animal. Mate, Obviously, that 2009 season, you guys do so well and you fall short. In the lead-up to falling short, there was that afternoon where Jared Haynes scored possibly the greatest individual try of all fucking time. He beat 15 St. George players. He bowled over the ref. You know, he did it all. Were you there that afternoon? Um, I was. I was there that afternoon. I'll just take you a step back there. I was actually there the week before. Again, sunny afternoon, playing the Parramatta Eels last round of the regular season. And we actually beat them 30 Oh, you gave years. it to them, didn't you? Yeah. Gave it to them the week before, you know. And, you know, the next week, gone again. And obviously, you're feeling pretty confident going going into that game. And, you know, with the old final system too, you've got 1v8 as well. So, you know, you're going into this. You're feeling good. And I'll tell you, I've seen Cogra Oval quiet. But I have probably never heard it as quiet as it was after that try you just mentioned and you know, Jared Haynes shushing the crowd, putting his finger up to his lips as well after that try, and you could you could hear a pin drop. It was 
It was insane. Absolutely insane. Mate, I imagine as a Dragons fan, there was nothing worse, but a little part of you as a rugby league fan must have been just sitting there going, thank fuck I'm here though, to see that, because it was incredible. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, exactly what you said. You got You have to appreciate, you know, when something like that happens against you, you know, throughout my life watching footy and, you know, you see a spectacular trial, something like that against your team, yeah, you have to, you know, obviously not in, that, not in those circumstances, you don't want to see it, but you got to say that that was bloody unreal. Did you go out in straight sets that year? We did, yeah. We, uh, um, we lost to the Broncos the week after. I think it was 24-10 um, up in Brisbane the week after. But, yeah, straight sets that year. Mate, you know, you, you, the, the, the Dragons at that point, they copped the chokers tag for the next 12 months, and it was <laughs> relentless. Like, you couldn't read a paper that will, each and every week of the 2010 season without people reminding you that the Dragons, as good as they are, they're going to choke. You know, oh. yes, you, you fell apart in two games. You came up against possibly the best rugby league player ever at his peak, Jared Hayne. Do you think it was yeah. a bit of an unfair tag that you guys got? Uh, yeah. I. As a Dragons fan, I have to say, I will just say yes, absolutely, just because I just could not stand it, you know. And I think, you know, having, you know, that 04, 05, 06 period under our belt as well from, you know, after 99. And, you know, even before that, the Dragons, you know, losing in 92, 93, 96, 99, all those, you know, failed seasons when they should have done something in the mid-2000s. And then, you know, that 09, after what happened, you can't, like, if I was you know, looking at it from an outside perspective, not as a Dragons fan, I'd be throwing that choker tag on as well. So, you know, I guess at the time it was warranted. Um, as much as it hurt, I I hated it. <laughs> Absolutely hated it. Everywhere you looked, every one of my mates messaging me this and that, choke is this, choke on that. You know, it was a, it was a tough time, real tough time. Yeah, no one missed you guys. Fuck, you really copped it for that year. You know, obviously, oh, 2010, it finishes in the absolute fairy tale. Tell me about the season leading up for you. Did you know during that year that there was something different about this one? You know what? They just, um, I, oh, you, I think you could, you could tell something was different. You know, like they, I don't think in 2010 they looked as good as they did in 09, to be honest. And I just, I, think I'd agree with you on that, mate. I, I think that 2009 yeah. side was better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they they definitely were, but I I think that makes a difference here though because that 2010 side, you know, they were they won those gritty games that they just needed to win. I think every player was just doing their job there, doing what they needed to do to you know to get the points to get to where we need to, and you know it wasn't a real flashy side. Absolutely, don't get me wrong, it was not, but it just looked different. I think player preservation was a bit more of a priority that year too. You could see that, you know, they weren't, you know, burning out. And I know towards the end of that season, there was a little bit of a little bit of a rough patch, but it, it just did not look like the back end of that, of that 09 season. Like you just, you could see towards the end of it, if it's going to happen, if it's ever going to happen, there's no way in the world that it's not going to be this year. I remember watching them that year, mate, the whole season and they were going fantastically, but at no point did I think, wow, they are the, you know, they're the best footy side by a country mile here. I kept thinking, wow, if a team shows up in finals and plays their best footy, they'll give it to this mob. And they just hang in there, didn't they? They kept kicking their penalty goals. They kept, Sauer just kept on burying teams in corners. They just played basic footy, but they did it fucking perfectly. Yeah, that's what it was, you know. It was. It was simple. It was basic. But like I said, it was just, everyone did their job. They just did what they needed to, you know. Sauer kicking to the corners having the, you know, the opposition running out of like, if not their in goal, their, their 10 metres, you know. Everyone just did what they needed to. You know, it wasn't a big intimidating forward pack, obviously besides besides both Scott there, I guess, in terms of intimidation. But, you know, they weren't they weren't a big forward pack. I'm sure people going into that weren't thinking a premiership halves combination were going to be Seward and Hornby as well, you know. So it's just, I think as much as they were the best team that year, I think that the team that we actually had, bar a few positions there, were a little bit underrated too, but just stepped up just to do what they needed to. Tell me, mate, and and my timeline could be wrong, and you can tell me exactly when it happened, but I would assume it's probably a month or two months out from finals and you guys sign a centre from French rugby. That must have got you excited. It sure did. (laughs) That was, um, you know, obviously having been a huge, huge fan, as we mentioned before, um, I just knew at one stage or another he was going to come back eventually. This um, is Mark Gasnier for those playing at home, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah, um, that was oh, that just that just made it for me. You know, there was this side, and you know, you were traveling along all right, and you know, we have one solid center there in Matt Cooper, obviously, and you know, other guys like Bo Scott and whatnot have been um, playing in the centers. I think even one stage, Matty Pryor um, actually played in the centers too. Um, but you know, that just really like that just really summed up that back line. You know, going from you know Gasney and Cooper in the centers, Morris and Nightingale on the wing, Boyd at fullback. And, you know, even Sal and Hornby, it was just the one to seven was just stacked and, you know, just waiting for that, waiting for Gas to come in. I remember um, his first game back against Penrith, Cogra, you know, he looked skinny, he looked lean and, you know, he got he got whacked a few times as well. We didn't win that game either, but um, yeah, he de- definitely didn't look crash hot at first, but, you know, he started to, you know, find his feet a little bit and scored his first try um, for the Dragons that year. Um, against South, I uh, ended up beating them uh, right near the end as well. But you could just see he was slowly finding his feet and, you know, come the last couple of games before the finals going into that, and you could just really see this guy's peaking again. He really – he did not look overly healthy when he came back. It was like a scene no, out of fucking no. Dallas Buyers Club. He looked awful yeah. when he arrived back. Yeah. And I think it was great for you guys to get Gaznia back, but I think the biggest win out of it was that it cemented Bo Scott's place in the second row, which just yeah, made absolutely. all the difference to your pack. It did. Like I said, you know, it wasn't – the pack wasn't fantastic, you know. Like, Michael Wayman, good player. Neville Costigan, good player, um, you know. But, you know, Dean Young kind of in between hooker and lock. And it wasn't it wasn't a real big and intimidating forward pack. And I think having both Scott slot back in there, you know, with guys like Jeremy Smith and that, and I think it really just ended up just leveling it out a little bit more and, you know, just put the players back into the positions where they needed to be. Who did you beat to get into the grand final? So we beat the Tigers in the in the prelim. That whole final series is just absolutely one to remember. The, was that the, the night that final. Benji Marshall missed that fucking field goal and claimed it as a kick and scored that try? That was a different game, actually. That was a different, that was a different game. That would have, yeah, that, that that was a that was a different year. The the 20, 2010 prelim against them was um Sauer kicking that field goal near the oh, end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. in about the seventy second minute, we ended up doing them thirteen twelve. Um, they had a bit of a crack at the end, um, to try to score, but yeah, that was. An absolute night. I was I was there as well out at ANZ Stadium, packed house, and you know just as close as you could be to to that grand final appearance again. Like you said, for the first time since '99, and you know you're just waiting, 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 and you know he's kicked that at the end, and there's still time to go, and your heart's racing a thousand beats a minute. It was insane, absolutely insane. What a feeling after that, though. Soward's a bloke, mate, that I've got a lot of respect for. I think he was a tremendous footballer. I um I spoke to Isaac John last week, and he just spoke about his kicking game was just unbelievable. And I, you know, I I sort of said that when they were training, you know, Jamie Soward would do a kick, and then he could do the same kick, and you know, it wasn't that flash. But then they'd get to a game situation, and he would just find the ground every time. He'd find the right kick; it'd be in the air the right amount of time. He was an incredible footballer, wasn't he? Honestly, I, I couldn't I couldn't talk highly enough of, of Jamie Soward and, and what he did for the club during that time. You know, you could honestly put a five-cent coin somewhere on the field and he would kick that football and land it on that five-cent piece. Just absolute pinpoint accuracy. And to to this day, I don't I don't know if I've seen someone that could kick as accurately as as he did in the NRL. I don't think I could argue with you to be honest. He he was just he was on another level that like he was literally winning games for you off his boot. It was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, absolutely. Obviously that 2010 grand final comes around and you know you you know people go back and look at the scoreboard now and say oh you know that they were always going to win they had a stack side. That Roosters team they were incredible that year. They had Todd Carney playing the best footy of anyone in the NRL. They were on fire. It must have been a bit of a nervous prospect. You know, it was a team that you should have beat, but you knew that they were just going to throw everything at you. They were going to take risks. They were going to cop it on the chin. It's a dangerous It's a dangerous footy side when they know they're an underdog and they know they have to take risks for me. Absolutely. You know, coming from the season before as well, you know, from Wooden Spooners the season before to, you know, grand finalists the year after. And it was definitely, you know, as much as you think, there's no way that we like we should we should not be losing this game. But yeah, like you said, some of the players that had there, you know, Todd Carney, um, Dalian Player of the Year that year, uh, Mitchell Pierce firing, you know, Minicello, a stacked forward pack as well, you know, like it was always in the back of your mind being like, We can lose this game. We just we shouldn't. 
you know, and even half time of that game, you know, down eight six at half time, and you know, you're still you're still tossing up in your head, how is this going to go in the second half? You know, mistake me if I'm wrong, but uh, Mark Asnier scores the first try off a Jamie Soward kick, doesn't he? He sure does. Oh, you sure must does. have been on him, your boy. Oh, absolutely unreal. We were, you know, we were at the game, 2010 Grand Final. You know, had a bit of an argument at home going into that, being like, I'm way too nervous to be going to this game. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And obviously, ultimately convinced to go. And this day, very, very happy that did turn out that way. But we were sitting, um, you know, amongst the Dragon Army, um, behind, kind of behind the post there. Um, right where Gaznia scores that try off that kick. And, you know, I I thought that I'd seen one of my favourite Mark Gaznia tries a few weeks before in the in the final against um, Manly at Cogra Oval, um, you know, put on his shimmy shimmy whoosh, you know, about 20 metres out from my own line and runs 80 metres and scores. And thought that was one of the best. But then, the next, you know, a few weeks later in the grand final, he just tops it with that one off the kick. Absolutely unreal. Mate, you're Clive Churchill medalist that night, Darius Boyd. I guess over the last decade, it's sort of been forgotten just how good Darius was. And, you know, I've always said it and I'll say it again. If I'm on a three-on-two situation and you can give me any player to have the ball in his hands, it's peak 2010 Darius Boyd. He just never made a mistake, did he? I could not agree more. You know, he's a guy, you know, didn't score many tries for us, but the try assist, like you said, he just knew exactly what to do every single time. You know, he's just just a smart footy player. And I know people look, look to, to how he's playing, you know, in his years after that, most notably in the last few years of, um, of his career um, at the moment. But back then in 2010, that he was just, it was just an unstoppable force. I remember him scoring a try um, at the SCG um, against the Bulldogs. <laughs> Crazy, and this one. Fuck. This intercept try, you yeah. know, and, and you know, this, the the, 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 sorry, the Bulldogs are attacking the line and you see them and there's probably about four or five players that they have the option to pass to here. And, you know, boys defending all these players at once, out of nowhere, comes straight through the middle, reads this pass, picks it off, ends up stepping um, Corey Payne silly and, you know, scores under the post. You, you know, he's just a smart footballer, knew exactly what to do every time and, you know, fed us try assists in that grand final as well. Normally we go down that left-hand side to, to Brett Morris in that corner, but switched it up. Nightingale scores two in the right-hand corner. Both coming from Boyd passes as well. Just an un, an unreal fullback at this time, mate. You you could obviously see in that game they went in with a plan that you know the Roosters had an eighteen year old Joey Leilua on the left wing and they obviously went in to target him and fuck they pulled his pants down. They put an absolute number on him. What was the moment in the grand final that you knew fuck it's our day now? Uh, you know I having. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market seen the Dragons play so many games and having lost from when they were up and whatnot, the the confidence that we're going to win this did take a while to, to kind of kick in, um, to be honest. And, you know, I think um, Nottingham's second try in the corner and then Soward um, nailing the kick and you can see him, he pulls off his headgear and you can see him running back for the kickoff, you know, just screaming at the top of his lungs and, you know, you're kind of, you're nearly there. Is that the point? Is this the one? But I think what really pushed me over, and same thing, one of my dragons, favorite Dragons tries of all time as well, um, ben, uh, sorry, um, Dean Young, you know, catches that short ball, crashes over the try line, scores that try. They ended up checking it, um, gave it the all clear, but gets up pointing at the Dragons logo on, on his jersey. And you can just see the emotion just take over him straight away. You know, the, the tears are welling in his eyes in that exact moment. All the boys come in, you know, all pile on top of him from there. And I think... You know, that was the point where kind of I was in my head and I'm just thinking there's there's no way we can lose the game from here. This is it. The grand final's ours, you know. And it to, to this day, you know, I've probably seen that game oh, upwards of 200 times without a doubt. And, you know, it brings back all the emotions, but there's never, ever going to be a time, I think, where I can watch that try without crying, without a doubt. 
Mate, you speak of Dean Young, you know, if, when, when I look back at that team, it's full of guys that are unsung heroes, whether it's Dean Young, Nathan Fien, Dan Hunt, Matty Pryor. Who, who's the most unsung hero in that team for you? For me, and I've I've got to go. I've got to go with two players here. I think, and they are Ben Hornby and Dean Young. Yeah. You know, Ben Hornby. You know, the switch from fullback into the halves, and you know, such a highly capped player at the Dragons. But if anyone's going to name their top fullbacks or their top halfbacks or anything like that, how many people wouldn't have Ben Hornby in their top twenty or top thirty or top forty? You know, it's just just flew under the radar. Did what he needed to. Same thing in that grand final, you know, obviously fullback experience. I remember the Roosters putting up a bomb, probably coming down about a metre from our line, and Ben Hornby out-jumping everyone there, out-jumping Boyd, the Roosters players, the whole lot, and just comes down with this incredible take. And it's like, this guy is just the unsung hero of this side. He's the captain. He leads by example, just does what he needs to, and just an absolute fantastic footballer, but just does not get the credit that he deserves. Same goes for Dean Young as well, you know shifted between the back row and lock, um, you know, um, hooker as well, buying like players being in and out and whatnot. But, you know, the same thing, just a, just a workhorse, you know, both these players don't have the, you know, the, the big rap sheet of state of origin appearances and Australian appearances and whatnot. But, you know, they're captain and vice captain of a premiership winning side, the first one in 31 years, and they deserve so much more credit than what they are given. The other bloke for me that, you know, he he got no credit for that premiership, and I'm sure if I asked 100 people about that premiership winning side, no one would mention him. Neville Costigan, just a no-frills, fuck you, get the job done. He was a fantastic footballer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, you know, and it's funny because, you know, he played front row for most most of that season for us, and compared to, you know, the size of front rowers, he, he was not that big at all, but he just, he just got absolutely stuck in when he needed to. He was all ticker. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah. Big time, yeah. I remember um a game against South and um this was that one where um where Gaz scored um his first try for the Dragons. I'm fairly certain it was. And I remember it being either fourth or fifth tackle, you know, towards the end of the game. And it actually would have been last tackle, yeah. And Costigan at dummy half, he's dummied left and gone down the blind side. And I'm just thinking, what is this guy doing, you know? Um, next thing you know, um gone down to the wing, come back inside to Gazny, and Gazny has run forty meters odd to yeah to score that try and we end up knocking them off 16 13 that game but you just think you know just just it was all everything was spare of the moment there's nothing planned there's nothing this is what i'm going to do today you know yes he did his job but like you said it's all ticker this is what i'm going to do this is what we need to do and got the job done the siren goes in the 2010 grand final explain the emotion to me around that moment it was a it's a funny one to be honest you know all i i very, very much remember it so vividly, and all I remember around me just—it was just a pack of caged animals, just, just being unleashed. That's that's honestly what it was, you know, being right there in the middle of the dragon army as well. And but for for me, it was, it was a little bit different because I was—I think I was still just a little bit in shock, you know. I just kind of stood there and you know, hands kind of on my head, and you know, just kind of looking around and being like, "Is is this real? Like, is this?" Is this actually happening right now? Have have we just won the grand final? Like I don't know, you know. Like that that was that was the initial feeling, and it, you know, it wasn't until you kind of get that confirmation, kind of you know, with my family and that that you know we're all there, mum, dad, my sisters, cousins, whatnot. And it's not until you, I don't know, that kind you kind of you you reconfirmed. Yes, this is what's happened, and that's when it kind of it hits you. But definitely the the initial reaction was more just shock. I honestly stood there. Without, without a reaction for, I reckon, I reckon a good couple of minutes after that game for sure. Can I ask you, mate, like when I watched after that grand final, you know, when I saw the 05, the 05 Tigers win, it was like mass celebrations. It was an unbelievable story. Was the 2010 grand final, like I sort of look at it and think for some of those guys, it was a bit of a relief that they finally won. You know, they, they'd had the team to win the comp for so long and they'd fallen short in 09 and they just copped the chokers tag for 18 months. It almost looked like a sense of, thank God it's done sort of thing. Yeah, it absolutely was. It, it definitely was that relief. You can, you know, you listen back to, you know, those um, interviews with the players and, and whatnot, and even um, Benny Hornby's um, speech after the game as well. And, you know, he says, like, this is the one for, you know, the true believers, everyone that's stuck by us. It it really was just that, just that weight off that shoulder. You know, the chokers tag is gone finally. And it really was. It's, it's just relief. You know, whether they don't win another one for the rest of their career now, you know, a few of those players, 
it was we've got the job done here with we're, we're premiers, which you know doesn't take anything away from the premiership, obviously. But they they they, they were a group of guys. They were an experienced bunch of footballers that you know they weren't a bunch of 22, 23 year olds just out having fun. You know they they were proper first graders that had been through a lot of shit. It, it was just a fantastic night, wasn't it? Oh, honestly, it was absolutely unreal. You know, from you know just being there, and I'm a you know bit of a bit of a nervous uh, pre-game kind of guy, and you know, don't really get much food or anything in me going into the game. And definitely was a wreck. And, you know, even at halftime being down, ended up at halftime just walking a few laps around Anton Stadium just to kind of calm down a little bit. But, you know, from that Dan Young try going into the end, you know, a little bit of shock. But after that, it was just some of the some of the best memories I can I can remember, you know, going back to, um, well, obviously being there at the game for, you know, however long afterwards, you know, the whole, you know, the, the, the celebration, the, the trophy being handed out, um, and whatnot, players doing the lap coming over to where we were all sitting, but even kicking onto Cogra Oval after like that till whatever time in the morning. By the time we got back there, the players had come back, whatnot. It was just easily, if not the best night of my life, or close to it anyway. And it's just something I remember forever. Just insane. I just remember um, Jamie Soward being up on that stage, you know, dancing around, and all the boys there singing, um, you know, songs like "We Are the Champions" and. Um, or when the Saints just on repeat there and, you know, all the guys have come back from the army with their flags and banners and it was just, it was insane. Like words can't even describe, you know, what it was like. And I watched back, you know, some of the videos that we took there that night and it just, just seemed so surreal because it was just such a fantastic night and just, you know, even if we were to win another one in the future, in my lifetime, whenever that may be, nothing will ever, will ever top that one. Mate, after that grand final, you know, you go through some reasonably tough years. Obviously, you know, Wayne Bennett leaves, you have Bo Scott leave, you have Jamie Sowood leave, Dean Young eventually retires. There's a lot of guys there that were critical to that team that end up leaving. It must have been a pretty hollow feeling watching all of those stars leave. It was, you know, it was a, it was a big shift. You know, 2011 season um, started like a house on fire again. I think we were one third of our first 14 games or something like that anyway. Um, and, you know, obviously going out the end of that season again, we had a bit of a drop off at the end. And then with, then with Wayne leaving and, you know, took a few players with him, of course, Darius Boyd as well. And over the, you know, the following years, yeah, 2012, 13, 14, 15, <laughs> up until now, really. Um, but yeah, definitely some lean years. And, you know, you, you started seeing, you started seeing those players going, you know, a few of them retiring, few of them going to, to elsewhere and it was it was definitely tough to watch and there's definitely some um, very very um, disappointing very very disappointing seasons um throughout that time post Wayne Bennett mate we obviously spoke about that grand final against the Roosters you know one of your arch rivals now for me after grand final day you know the second biggest day of the year is probably Anzac day that clash between the Roosters and the Dragons is always just a massive day what's your greatest memory from Anzac day Anzac Day is just is just the best day of footy. You know, I'm so thankful that, you know, I support a team that do get to play on Anzac Day. And, you know, win or lose, it's just an absolute spectacle. And I just wish that, you know, so many more people could be a part of it. But, you know, they fit 40,000 Roosters and Dragons fans there. Probably about 35 Dragons fans, probably about 5,000 Roosters fans, I will say. <laughs> um, definitely. But it's just unreal. I've had some cracker memories, you know, from... Um, from I remember Jamie Sow, his first year with us in 09, tearing the roosters apart. Scored like twenty odd points or something. Twenty nine nil, it was. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He's, he, yeah, he scored a ton of points that game as well. You know, even back to 05, um, the Matty Head chip and chase, the cutout ball to Cooper, and then him kicking the goal from the sideline too. But my my favorite my favorite um Anzac Day memory is um definitely I think it was 2012 um the the comeback. You know, we're down by down by eight points. Um, Jamie Sow gave away a penalty actually for descent and they kicked a goal to go up by eight with about four and a half minutes to go. And, um, you know, we've come back. Nightingale's regathered from a short kickoff, uh, throwing a cutout ball out wide. And I think it was Matty Pryor ended up um, scoring over in the corner. And then, you know, a minute to go, kick downfield, um, less than a minute to go actually, kick downfield. Nighty's got his foot to it again, um, ended up getting six again or something like that. I remember it, remember it vaguely um that part of of that game anyway just because the the ending tour just totally um amasses everything there um but then um wayman you know close to the line going to crash over pops out a little offload um to benny cray benny cray scores and we win but two tries in that last four minutes 
and yeah, you know, probably at a time where, you know, we weren't expected to be anything crash hot either. Very lean time for the Dragons. And to come out and win a game like that on Anzac Day was unreal. Mate, Ben Cray's another one that, you know, for Dragons fans, he's an absolute legend. But I guess, you know, when they had that stink in origin that year and he and he backed off, a lot of people just, <laughs> they all of a sudden forgot how much of a good footballer he was and just decided not to like him from that one second. Like, yeah. that, 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 that must have annoyed you a little bit, the fact that he'd put together so many years of consistent, tough footy. And it seemed like it all just got flushed, you know, in the in the public image in a split second there. No, absolutely. You know, like he's a guy that's won numerous, you know, Dragons Player of the Year's awards, um, Red V Player of the Year awards, without a doubt. Um, close to one of our best players in that 2010 season, without a doubt too. And, you know, it's just a split second that, you know, that one thing that happens. And I'll give him some credit here. Justin Hodges is not a guy that I want to be messing with either. So, to- totally back, totally back what he did there. Um, yeah, it is a bit disappointing that you know it has kind of tainted him a little bit there. Um, but you know these these things happen. Dragons fans, without a doubt, are always going to remember him for for what he did. You know, bringing that premiership back, and you know so many other highlights in his career. I remember him scoring a runaway try at, um, at the uh, against the Roosters on Anzac Day as well. Um, giving the little finger up in the air when it was nearly crossing the line. I remember him scoring a, a hat-trick against the house in the first, I think, 15 or 17 minutes at Cogra Oval as well. So definitely brings fond memories to the Dragons. Mate, if I'm in a crowd of 100 and Justin Hodges is going to fight one person in that crowd, I'm not taking the risk. I'm calling an Uber. <laughs> Fuck that. There's 0% chance. I, I'm out of there so quick. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Um, we mentioned him um, last week in our in our podcast, actually, we did our top five Indigenous players, and I, I, I had him in my top five, and you know, just an absolute devastating runner of the football, but just even more fired up off the ball. He's just not a guy you want to mess with, mate. Obviously, you know the years after that grand final, and you go through the um, you know the years post Wayne Bennett, and it's all you know. There's good starts to seasons, but it just always ends in heartbreak and disappointment over the last few years. You know, the, the moment for me for, that, that sums you up as a fan for me is the 2018 season. You must have spent an absolute mozza. Fuck, you did some miles. Tell us about that season. <laughs> oh, that season, honestly, if I've ever followed, if I've ever followed the sporting team out of all the sports I follow, and if I could sum one season down to an absolute roller coaster year, 2018 is the season. You know, start off like a house on fire, as we did for a few a few of the years, a few of the years around then, and just so many ups and downs that year. I like I take you back to uh, probably close to the lowest point of me following the Dragons, without a doubt. And we just lost the Para forty to four out at ANZ Stadium that season. Towards the end of the season, two weeks later, we're playing the Dogs at Cogra, and this is you know finals on the line here, must win basically and go down 38 nil to them as well. And, you know, just the absolute pits. But at the same time that year, um, 2018, I actually, um, I got out to 22 out of the 26 games that season. So it's um, definitely the most I've been to in one year. That included, um, you know, the, um, the Brisbane um, final at the end, you know, smacking them up there in Brisbane, 48, 18. And that also included a, um, a New Zealand trip over to, um, to Auckland and, got out to Mount Smart Stadium for, for a clash there too. That was a, a fantastic experience. You know, I'm pretty sure they were just under us on the ladder, if not pretty close to us. And I think we won our first four, something like that. We hadn't lost that season yet. I think they'd only lost one as well. And Mount Smart Stadium, freezing cold on a Friday night. It would have been about four or five degrees, I reckon. A little bit of rain drizzling as well. Sold out as well. And I reckon there would have been, out of a 19,500 capacity, I can very, very confidently say there would have been maybe 19,495 Warriors fans and maybe five Dragons fans. And that's that's not even exaggerating. Mate, if you told me you managed to watch 22 out of 26 games on TV, considering everything in life, I'd go, yeah, fuck, that's a pretty good knock. <laughs> to make it to 22 games live, that's unbelievable. Which, which four did you miss, you lazy bugger? Missed, uh, I missed the Mudgee game that year against the Raiders. I missed the North Queensland game. I missed the Melbourne game in Melbourne as well. And I missed, we played the Titans um, in Toowoomba. They were, the, they were the four I missed. I believe you went but to New God, Zealand and not Mudgee. I know, I know. It, just, it was kind of timing too, you know, being a school teacher and finding out that um, 
you know, you've got the the Dragons playing against the Warriors in New Zealand in your school holidays. It would have been outrageous if I didn't take up the opportunity, you know. So it just had to be done. Um, the other ones, just unfortunately, the timing didn't work out. I know we had a, I know we had a Thursday night game for one of them, um, which was interstate, so it just wasn't going to work with um, with work as well. Um, one of them, I was actually um, interstate elsewhere. Um, I think I was in Melbourne at the time of the North Queensland game, or vice versa, or something like that. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, it would have been good to to get out to all of them. Would have been the plan, but. I'm going to say 22 out of 26 is a, is a pretty decent effort. That's a good knock, mate. Very good knock. Tell me, mate, obviously the current team at the moment, for me, uh, Gareth Widder has left a hole that I'm not sure if you can possibly feel. Tell me about losing Widder. It's, it's, it's a tough blow. And, you know, I know he had his um, he had his injury problems, you know, that shoulder that kept going on him um, while he was playing for us. But he was just such a crucial part of, the you know, the last five years. Uh, that, that, that he was with us. And I, I think another guy where just didn't get the credit that he deserved with us. Like he was one of the few bright spots. If you're going to think of the Dragons, you know, during the time that he was playing for us, there's not many things we can think of. They did this well. They were good, you know, whatnot. And he's just a very, very rare bright spot in those very, very lean seasons that he had. And, you know, rightfully so, earned himself a place um, on the bench of the Dragons team of the decade which includes going back all the way to 2010, that grand final side, and he still managed to get himself a spot in the 17. Totally deserved. Mate, I'm not going to put him on that top tier. I'd put him probably the one tier below, but when you think of guys like how important Andrew Johns was to Newcastle or Freddie was to the Roosters or JT was to the Cowboys, you know, they just, they, you know, they went from being a top four team to probably not being a top eight team without them in that side. Witter, I wouldn't put him on that top tier, but fuck, he's, he's, at the very top of the second tier as far as his impact on the Dragons. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, he was just he was just a player that, that we needed at that time, you know, and it's, it's it's tough because they were just really lean seasons and at the same time, the amount of different halves combinations that we kind of had, you know, throughout that time too definitely doesn't work in his favour either. You know, a consistent halves pairing is a totally different story with, with what he did for us, but like I said, I, I cannot fault him for, for, for what he did for us without a doubt. I'm going to give you two words, and I want to just hear your raw, complete, honest reaction. Paul McGregor. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a tough one here. I love a few things about him. There's definitely more things that I don't like, but I love that he's just someone that, that won't give up. You know, he he rides by, he sticks to what he needs to do, and, you know, he's you know, he's being questioned, are you going to walk out if they're not going to sack you, blah, blah. But, you know, he's saying, what would I do that for? You know, I'm going to stick by these boys and I'm going to, you know, keep doing our best to win those games. So I'll definitely give him that. On the opposite end, I just think the the squad that we had on paper and, you know, coming from the words from the words from his mouth saying he's got the squad that he wants, you know, a few years ago and whatnot. And they just, they, they've underachieved, definitely underachieved. Without a doubt, mate. And, you know, I look at that side and, and to to his credit, he's done incredibly well the last few weeks. Your fullback, Matt Dufty, like I remember looking, you know, at the start of the season and hearing Paul McGregor come out and say, oh, Zach Lomax is our fullback. And he was, you know, he was almost sort of bragging that he'd made a decision that he was happy with and he was going to stick with it. It took two yeah. games, you know, we're looking at round four and Poor old Zach Lomax. He's played three positions. We're now seeing Matt Matt Duffy come back in, and he's playing some fantastic footy. But you know, it just it just didn't all make sense to me. It didn't seem right. I feel like it wasn't his plan to have him at fullback, and he's falling ass first into some good form there. Yeah, you know, going into that, every all Dragons fans, we just knew like Zach Lomax here. He's a right center. He needs that time there because you know, at one point there were so many fans that were a bit just like. This one he needs to play, he's not, and he hasn't been performing playing elsewhere, you know, on the wing, at fullback, off the bench, or wherever else he was, you know, he was put. And all we were was just calling for this, you know, get him in right centre, get him in right centre. And we are doubt, like, the whole team form has has lifted over the last, you know, five, five or six weeks, without a doubt. But someone like Zach Lomax is just getting better every single week. You just, you see the things that he's doing, and he's just really finding his feet in that centre position, where he should have been, at the back end of the 2018 season, if not all of 2019 as well. But it's definitely worth cementing himself. And like you said, Dufty too, I'll definitely put my hand up and say I was a critic of his, without a doubt. Not going to deny that at all. 
but there is there's just nothing bad I can say about him over the over the last over the last five weeks. You know, he's he's found that passing game. He's thrown some absolute cracker bullet passes, cutout passes that have led to that have led to tries as well. He's been you know better than what he was opening the season under the high ball too. And you know, even a, a his defense, I don't know where that's come from, but it's picked up a little bit. You know, he made a big one-on-one tackle on um, Jesse Raymond against the Sharks a few weeks back, right in front of the try line as well. So there's, there's nothing bad I can say about him at the moment. Mate, I said before a ball was kicked this year that unless your name is Ryan Pappenhausen, if you're under 85 kilos, you don't have a position in rugby league. And I think yeah. that the rules that changed during COVID break, they've helped the smaller man. And I think it's helped Matt Dufty's, um his ball playing ability and what he brings to a game of footy. Would you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. Because this is just something that I hadn't seen from him before. I haven't seen this ball playing ability that he obviously has. And, you know, it was missing in all the times that he's been starting fullback for us up until legitimately, you know, six weeks ago. So it's uh, def- definitely a good a good change of pace because it's turned us into, you know, instead of that one-dimensional team, which, you know, you do see glimpse- glimpses of still, but we've scored some absolutely fantastic tries, um, you know, over, yeah, over the last four or five weeks, six weeks. And, you know, a lot of them have stemmed from, you know, him skipping out wide and throwing a pass or, yeah, one of those bullet passes, a cutout ball of his, and it, it really has changed changed the way that we're playing at the moment. Mate, you've got two extremely polarizing characters in your footy side. You know, they started the season as your halves. I'm going to ask you about both of them. Let's start with Corey Norman first. I mean, when things are going well, everyone wants to praise Corey Norman. They want to pat him on the back. They want to say how great he is. When things are going poor, regardless if it's his fault or not, he's the one that wears the brunt for it. What? How do you feel about Corey Norman, and how do you feel about him looking into the future with the Dragons? No, it's um, it's. It's tough. It's tough with Corey Norman because he'll he'll do those things to to redeem himself with Dragons fans. You know, kicking um, you know, the winning field goal against um against the Broncos um last year in round two or round three up in Brisbane to win twenty five twenty four. I was actually up at that game as well. The week later as well, kicking one against the Knights to win thirteen twelve or something around that too. So he he does the things he need to. Even this year, you know, um, the try at Win Stadium against the dogs, you know, a bit of a rebound, but he picks it up, he scores the try the try celebration, mimicking um Mark Riddell in front of the in front of the grandstand, you know, he he does these things where he he I don't know, I guess the Dragons fans <laughs> maybe it's just me, but you kind of forget the the bad that he's done. And you know, it's kind of redeemed for that time. But then again, you go the next week and there he is, you know, ball kicking the ball out in the full all he's doing is, you know, dropping a player underneath him. And this is just, it's very hit and miss with him. But as a, you know, coming from him playing in our halves, I just really think that for the, the amount that he's being paid and for his name as well, you know, having wrapped up over 200 first grade games now, he should be doing so much more. You know, the kicking game is very ordinary. The passing game is very ordinary. When he wants to run, it's definitely on, but we just don't see enough of it each week. Tell me about your now hooker, Ben Hunt. I mean, he started the year at seven and everyone wants to bag him for the money they're paying. But at the end of the day, Ben Hunt didn't write his contract up. The Dragons did. So I don't know why people are taking it out on Benny Hunt. Um, I mean, when when the rules changed and we saw the first two weeks of footy, I mean, Blind Freddie could have told you that, you know, you need a running hooker in the modern game. And it, it took Paul McGregor a few more weeks to catch up to that than other sides, obviously. How are you feeling with Ben Hunt playing nine now? I, I love Benny Hunt, and I think he just cops so much more criticism than than what he should be. You know, going into you know the last few seasons, he had a whole heap of you know off field dramas um, that obviously come out after all this. But he's always just a scapegoat for the Dragons. Things aren't going well; it's Ben Hunt's fault. And no, it's it, for the majority of majority part of that, it wasn't him. You know, he was one of the few guys going out there and giving one hundred and ten percent, and you know, trying to make something out of nothing, which would lead to an error. But it's straight to the point he's made the error rather than what he was trying to do. Um, I love Benny Hunt at hooker. I really do. I'm a massive Cameron McInnes fan as well. I love Cameron McInnes at hooker. And, you know, I think what has been working for us has been McInnes at lock, who is absolutely killing it there as well, by the way. But Ben Hunt at hooker, my favorite thing about that, and, you know, I've mentioned a few times, um, you know, since he's been playing there, the kicking game out of dummy half from Benny Hunt is just... It's, it's unreal, you know. It's 
probably the only time in a game where you know the ball is actually kicked behind your 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 fullback or the opposition fullback or wingers and actually find some grass and they're working it out from the in goal or just outside it and you know he shifts back to back to halfback on the weekend and or on the last round sorry and straight away you see that difference because he wasn't kicking from dummy half we weren't like taking advantage of you know pinning them deep as well and you really can see the difference. I'm a big, big fan of Benny Hunt, and I love him at hooker. Mate, I think with Cam McInnes too, like the reality is he's a fantastic footballer. I would never, yeah. ever bag Cam McInnes, but the reality is the position he's playing, it has changed dramatically in the last three months, and unfortunately for him, it's moved away from his skill set, and it's just the reality of the situation, you know? It's just he's a fantastic footballer, but he's not a fantastic hooker in the modern game, but he's a fucking brilliant lock. And you guys need to take advantage of that, don't you? Yeah, I think I think with Cameron McInnes too, that he is, he is that versatile player. And, you know, sometimes it, you know, does not play in your advantage. Like you you look at, say, someone like uh, like Tom Trebojevic and James Tedesco, you know, both unreal fullbacks, but Tedesco can't play anywhere else. Trebojevic can play elsewhere. So even if, you know, they're playing level, le- level footy, you know that Trebojevic is going to be the one that's going to get shifted elsewhere to make way to fit them both into the team. And I think that was has what happened a little bit with Cameron McInnes there. You know, paying all this money for Benny Hunt, you don't want him coming off the bench and performing at halfback. Where do we go? Was the Queensland hooker? Got to put him at a hooker there. But it means yeah, Cameron McInnes can play elsewhere. He's the guy that's going to shift out for that to work. Mate, you play the Roosters this week on Thursday night. Obviously going to be a massive game for you guys. The Roosters haven't been in great form, but you have to be worried that they're going to click back in soon. Oh, it's a I I will go into that thinking that it probably will be a will be a big score against us. Um, you know what though, if they play like they have the last few weeks, barring or hoping that sorry, that they do have a you know, a few of those players still out injured, the Morris boys or um Cordner or anyone else like that. And if we play some good footy like we have, I think it'll be a lot closer than what people than what people think, especially, you know, down at Wynn Stadium too. I don't I don't see the Dragons getting the job done, unfortunately. But like I said, the Roosters, they're that team, you know, they can click into gear. They need to after the last couple of weeks against the Titans and the Warriors. But yeah, definitely they play like they like they have the last few weeks. We play like we have the last five or six weeks as well. I'll definitely give us a shot though. Mate, I give a lot of credit to you, you know, as a rugby league fan and a Dragons fan, you know, I see you on your Instagram, you know, you'll be at first grade, you'll be at reserve grade, you'll be at the under-23s, you'll be at every fucking game that any team's wearing a red V at. Tell me, in five years' time, who are the guys that are the stars for the Dragons that we haven't heard of yet? I'm talking about that, you know, there's not not many not many better things that, that I love than you know, seeing all three grades at Cogra Oval on a, on a Saturday or Sunday, without a doubt, being there from, you know, nine o'clock in the morning for another seven, eight hours and watching all three grades. Absolutely unreal. One of my favourite pastimes for sure. Uh, there's definitely some big names uh, that are coming through. Um, I will just want to say, and I'll put it out there too, Zach Lomax is a future New South Wales centre without a doubt. I'll totally back that one there for sure. Another big, big future... I think as well, Cody Ramsey, uh, Dragons fullback. He is just absolutely unreal. He was you know, uh, he was the young fellow from the Nines, wasn't he? Yeah, he's he's just got you know I saw him play you know all through um, last year as well um, in the the jersey flag and whatnot, and I think he's just got such a bright future. Got he's got the speed, he's got the footwork, um, you know he's got the strength, can tackle as well. Um, got a Absolutely, rip a right foot step on him too. Um, he's, he's he's unreal to watch. So he's definitely a guy to watch out for for sure. Um, also there as well, Jaden Sullivan uh, playing in the halves there for the Dragons in the lower grades too. Um, same thing, footwork. You know the kicking game to go with it as well. One of those players where you know he's your half. You know he's got the structure there, but just got that ability to play that ad lib football too, and you just don't know what he's going to do with it, but. Definitely two plays there to watch out for in the future, for sure. Angelo, fan is short for fanatic, and it's been great to have you on, mate. I love having rugby league fans like you around, and especially when you come on the podcast. It's been fantastic. Remind everyone listening again, where can they find your podcast? Find us. uh, We're on all podcasting platforms these days. So you'll find us on Spotify, find us on Apple Podcasts. Um, Rugby League from the Nosebleeds, it's called. Um, Seven episodes in, guys. Jump on board. 
Uh, it's fantastic. You find us on Instagram there too. Uh, we keep up with all, you know the social media polls and um whatnot as well. But yeah, definitely definitely jump on board and um same thing. Thank you so much for for having me on as well. Much appreciated. It's lots of fun. All the best this weekend against the Chooks, brother. Thank you. Fingers crossed. See you, mate. Yeah, brother. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.